Robin Routledge delves into the concept of covenant in the Old Testament. According to Routledge, the Old Testament portrays God as a being who has made himself known to humanity. While God has revealed himself to all people, he has a unique relationship with the nation of Israel, expressed through the concept of a covenant, or berit, in Hebrew. This covenant is not just a contract, but a binding agreement that signifies the special relationship between God and Israel. Theologian Eichrott places significant emphasis on this concept, making it the cornerstone of his Old Testament theology. For Eichrott, the idea of the covenant is the lens through which Israel understood its unique relationship with God, differentiating their understanding of God from other nations. The covenant serves as the framework that solidifies Israel's particular knowledge and relationship with God. It is a vital element in the life of Israel, shaping their identity and their understanding of the divine. Also, the concept of covenant has been a subject of debate among scholars, particularly concerning its origins in Israelite history. While some modern scholars argue that the idea emerged late, around the 7th century BC with the Deuteronomic movement, evidence suggests that the concept could be much older. The structure of covenants in the Bible shows striking similarities to second millennium Hittite vassal treaties, which date back to the 14th-13th centuries BC. These treaties typically included a preamble, a historical prologue, and a list of obligations for the vassal, similar to the Sinaitic Covenant and the Book of Deuteronomy. The ancient Near East, A&E treaties also had elements like document clauses, divine witnesses, and lists of blessings or curses, which are found in biblical covenants. While some scholars point to similarities with 9th-7th century BC Assyrian treaties to contend for a later date, Others like Kitchen debate that the closer correspondences with earlier Hittite treaties, suggesting a 13th century BC origin for the covenant concept. Bright suggests that early Israel can best be understood as a tribal league formed in a covenant with Yahweh. Cook, while disagreeing that covenant alone could form the basis for Israel's national life, also supports an early dating for the concept. Eichrott maintains that the covenant concept likely arose early in Israel's history suggesting that Moses adapted a long-standing secular concept into a covenantal relationship with Yahweh. In summary, while the timing of the emergence of the covenant concept in Israel is debated, evidence from A&E treaties and scholarly arguments suggest that the idea likely has ancient roots, possibly dating back to the second millennium BC. Moreover, in Rutledge's explanation, a covenant is more than just a contract or agreement. It's a solemn bond between two or more parties based on a promise or pledge. This bond entails a strong commitment to the relationship and its obligations. Covenants were pervasive in the ancient Near East, influencing various aspects of life including business, politics, family, and religion. They were often formalized through rituals like sacrifices, covenant meals, or solemn oaths, which were considered irrevocable even if obtained through deception. The Hebrew term beret is used to describe different types of covenants. In the context of international relations, it could refer to alliances between equal powers or terms imposed by a greater power on a lesser one. These covenants involved mutual obligations. Barrett also describes the relationship between a king and his subjects, accentuating the mutual duties that ensure societal functioning. Marriage is another significant context where the term Barrett is used. In marriage, a husband and wife enter into a covenant that requires total commitment and mutual obligations. This marital covenant 
is often likened to the covenant between God and Israel, affirming the depth and seriousness of the relationship. In short, covenants are foundational to understanding various relationships, whether between nations, within a society, or in a marriage, and they carry a weight of mutual obligation and commitment. Furthermore, Routledge mentions the covenant with Noah, which is the earliest reference to Berit covenant in the Bible. This covenant signifies God's commitment to restore a world marred by the fall. In addition, Routledge notes that some scholars refer to a covenant with Adam, although he suggests it might be more accurate to consider this as an implicit covenant with creation, which is later confirmed in the Noahic covenant. Routledge identifies other significant divine covenants, including those with Abraham, Israel at Sinai, Israel's priests, and David. He states that the covenants with Israel's priests and David will be discussed in the context of priesthood and kingship, respectively. For the purpose of his current discussion, he focuses on the covenants with Abraham and at Sinai. These covenants are foundational in understanding God's relationship with humanity and his chosen people. The Abrahamic covenant establishes God's promise to make Abraham the father of a great nation, while the Sinai covenant sets the legal and moral framework for the Israelites. In sum, Routledge asserts the importance of understanding these divine covenants as they express God's commitment and intentions towards his creation and chosen people. Further, Routledge discusses the covenant between God and Abraham, as detailed in the book of Genesis, as significant. This second covenant marks the first time God chooses a group of people, Abraham's descendants, to commence his redemption plan for humanity. The covenant comprises various promises God makes to Abraham. In Genesis 12, 2, 3. God pledges to make Abraham's name great, bless those who bless him, curse anyone who curses him, and bless all the earth's peoples through Abraham. God promises Abraham many offspring and guarantees that his descendants will inhabit the land of Canaan. This pledge is unconditional and is confirmed as a covenant in Genesis 15. Besides, God mentions a covenant in Genesis 17, 7, wherein he expresses his intention to establish an eternal covenant with Abraham and his descendants promising to be their God. However, this covenant's actualization depends on Abraham's obedience, especially in performing circumcision, a ritual marking the covenant, Genesis 17.10, 14. In short, the covenant with Abraham is a key event in the Bible, marking the beginning of God's plan for human redemption. This covenant expresses God's intent to bless Abraham and his descendants, and through them, to extend blessings to all nations. The fulfillment of this covenant, however, is conditional upon Abraham's compliance and obedience to God. The covenant reinforces the theme of loyalty and obedience to God, as well as the importance of physical symbols in commemorating spiritual commitments. Besides, God's covenant with Abraham carries four major promises. Firstly, he assures Abraham, then childless, that he will father a nation with descendants as countless as the stars or grains of sand and these blessings would be passed to future generations. Secondly, God pledges the land of Canaan to the emerging nation of Abraham's descendants. Thirdly, in a special relationship, God commits to being their deity. While the covenant with Noah concerns God's bond with all creation, through Abraham, God promises a unique relationship with his descendants. They belong to him in a manner that others do not. This relationship is subject to their commitment to live in a manner that pleases God. Particularly for Abraham, his exemplary faith needs to be complemented by remarkable obedience. 
These promises shape Israel's understanding of their special relationship with God, their call to obedience, and their entitlement to the land. The fourth promise transcends nationalistic context to offer universal blessings. God promises that, through Abraham, all people across the earth will be blessed. God's covenant with Abraham thus foresees the extension of this divine blessing and relationship to all nations. Despite sin fragmenting the relation between God and His creation, God's earlier covenant with Noah sets the stage for a re-established relationship with God and associated blessings. Divine blessings transfer from Abraham to the entire world, implying that for all nations to partake in the blessings, they must also share in this divine relationship. Additionally, the Abrahamic covenant features circumcision as a significant element, a signifier of the contract made with God. In contrast to the sign of Noah's covenant, a rainbow, or the Sabbath being a sign of the Sinaitic covenant, circumcision was a physical mark demonstrating belonging to God. The act was a sign of God's grace and a mark of the obedience of His followers. It demonstrated from infancy that these individuals were called by God and belonged to Him. The Abrahamic covenant represents God's unilateral act, established, initiated, and executed by God Himself. However, it also puts an obligation on those who inherit the benefits of the covenant to live according to its rules. Instead of these two aspects being contradictory, they are inseparable. They are called upon to seek and live as members of its community through their inclusion in God's covenant. The two likely reasons for choosing circumcision as the sign were that it symbolized the discipline needed in male sexual activity and that procreation is central to the covenant's intent. This sign applies only to the male population to maintain discipline in their sexual activity, ensuring that the community's growth occurs rightly to retain their unique status. There was no suggestion for an equivalent of circumcision for women in the Old Testament, but it was probably giving birth. Creating a unique, distinctive people was at the covenant's core, similar to the Sinaitic covenant. Whereas occupation of the land was important, it was not central like the sense of belonging to a special and distinctive people. Also, the Sinaitic covenant refers to the agreement made by God with the Israelites who were released from slavery in Egypt. This event is viewed as the genesis of the formation of Israel as a nation. This covenant manifests in part the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham, where God pledged that Abraham would be the patriarch of a great nation and that Abraham's descendants would inherit staggered blessings. This covenant continues the narrative of the Abrahamic covenant, which God had not forgotten even during the Israelites' enslavement in Egypt. God kept His promise and freed the Israelites from Egypt, guiding them towards their promised homeland, Canaan. The Sinaitic covenant consists of three significant promises. Firstly, the promise that God will make Abraham's descendants into a great nation is symbolized by the nation born out of the liberated slaves at Sinai. Secondly, the promise of the land of Canaan. Even though the Israelites had not yet received this inheritance, their eventual residency in this land was a central theme in the story of their flight from Egypt. The third promise, pertains to the covenant relationship itself. God made a declaration to Abraham saying, I will be their God. Genesis 17, 8. This promise finds its parallel in the Sinaitic covenant with the phrase, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Exodus 6, 7. The completion of the covenant, the final promise, concerns the universal blessing to be shared by Abraham's descendants. This was envisioned in the divine call for the Israelites, to be a nation of priests, 
these priests would worship God and act as divine intermediaries, guiding the nations and leading them to God. Moreover, Rutledge examines the unique election of Israel by God through his covenant with the nation. He discusses the events at Sinai, where the covenant was first established, seen by many to delineate the birth of Israel as a nation. Routledge highlights that despite the nationhood, adhering to the terms of the covenant, including obeying God's commands, is crucial for blessings. Routledge indicates the renewal of the covenant, evident when Moses, before dying, exhorted the Israelites to renew their commitment to God who had chosen them. Deuteronomy 29. Here, the new generation, including future descendants who accept the covenant's responsibilities, is brought into a relationship with God. Metaphorically, the Sinaitic covenant is compared to a marriage bond, with the early desert days seen as the honeymoon period between Israel and God. This relationship demonstrates the love, compassion, intimacy, and tenderness of God's commitment to His people, as evident in the prophecies of Hosea. Routledge maintains how God distinguished Israel from other nations, marking them as His personal treasure, or segula. This term is used symbolically to show the particular selection of Israel by God, Deuteronomy 32 8, 9, indicating a unique intimacy with Him. Nevertheless, God's rule expands to include all nations, yet Israel holds a special place within this divine plan, involving every nation. Furthermore, Routledge discusses the concept of election in the Bible, citing the election of Israel as a notable example. He disputes that God's choice of Israel was not informed by any inherent virtue in the Israelites, but as an act of divine grace aimed at fulfilling the promises made to Abraham. In fact, Routledge interprets Deuteronomy 7, 7-8, as clearly portraying election as a gift and not a response to Israel's deserving qualities. Rutledge points out that God's sovereignty and initiative are apparent in his actions, citing the liberation of the Israelites from slavery in Egypt as a quintessential example of God's proactive role in redemption. However, he also reiterates the necessity of obedience in mankind's relationship with God. He rejects the idea that the covenant at Mount Sinai significantly differs from previous covenants, like those with Noah or Abraham. Despite focusing on laws, these covenants were not entirely based on obedience, but also on God's promises. Therefore, Routledge believes that every covenant has inherent conditions. In addition, he argues that disobedience can cost individuals their blessings. As seen in the Abrahamic covenant, where Abraham's obedience and circumcision were significant, and Noah's covenant, where Noah was required to build and enter the ark, obedience is a consistent demand from God. Further, he concludes that regardless of the covenant, every covenant requires obedience for its realization. Although God's promises are sure, to be part of their ultimate fulfillment, individuals must willingly submit to God's will. Besides, Rutledge explores the character of Israel's special calling in terms of two concepts, kingdom of priests and holy nation. By holy, he means set apart or consecrated for God's use. Israel's role was to function as God's servant, embodying an intermediary position between God and humanity. As with the role of a priest in Israel, this involved not only acting as God's representative to the world, but also offering prayers, petitions, and sacrifices on the people's behalf to God and delivering God's teachings to people. Additionally, Rutledge suggests that this dual role of instructing in the law and offering sacrifices is clearly visible in book Deuteronomy 33. 10. Israel as a royal priesthood held similar responsibilities. 
Israel was chosen from amongst the nations to stand before God on their behalf, to represent God to the world, and to bring humanity closer to God. This was done by sharing God's revelation and the promise of His salvation. Israel's calling was also considered unique and required maintaining holiness and distinctiveness. Being so set apart would make God's presence amongst them visible to other nations, attracting them and creating a desire within them to share in Israel's relationship with God. However, as passages such as Isaiah 61, 3, and Zechariah 8.23 indicate, nations would be drawn towards God's people. However, disobedience and unfaithfulness, as noted by Ezekiel 36.20.21, could instead lead to God's name being profaned among the nations. This repeats that the distinctiveness and effectiveness of Israel's role highly depended on their faithfulness to God. Also, this insight is applicable to the Christian church today. Last but not least, Routledge explores the significance of the law within the Sinaitic Covenant. According to the covenant, God intended to bring blessings to the world through the nation of Israel. For Israel to effectively fulfill this role, they needed to understand their duties as God's chosen people, and these obligations were defined in the law. Moreover, Routledge explains that the law was an instrument for fostering loving obedience towards God. It provided guidance on godly living, and reinforced their unique character as a community. The law was seen as revelation from God, delineating the path to a relationship with Him, and was positively regarded by the Old Testament saints. Importantly, Routledge clarifies a common misconception about the law. It was not intended as a method to earn salvation, but rather as a guide for living as God's people. Salvation was grounded in God's grace, relying on the people's response to God's offer of salvation, not the law. However, the law was vital in guiding the lives of the Israelites. Furthermore, being God's chosen people inferred inseparable action and identity. Those in a covenant relationship with God must reflect it in their actions, and anyone unwilling to do so could face exclusion. In addition, Routledge explains that the law embodies God's character and His desires for His people. The law is a call for those carrying God's name to mirror Him in their lives. Through the covenant, Israel was summoned into a holy connection with God, and thereby called to be holy. The law essentially showcases God's holy character and provides a blueprint on how God's people can emulate Him. In conclusion, Routledge examines the concept of covenant in the Old Testament, underlining its significance in the unique relationship between God and Israel. According to Routledge, a covenant signifies a solemn bond based on a promise, carrying mutual obligations and strong commitment. The concept is thought to have roots dating back to antiquity and is foundational to understanding various relationships, whether between nations, within a society, or in marriage. The earliest biblical reference to covenant is between God and Noah, yet Routledge underscores the importance of understanding divine covenants, particularly with Abraham and Sinai. Further, the covenant with Abraham, detailed in the book of Genesis, is a watershed biblical event commencing God's plan for human redemption. This covenant includes various promises to Abraham, notably making him a father of a great nation. God's pledge to Abraham was unconditional at first, but involved obedience, particularly in performing circumcision, a clear physical symbol marking the relationship. Besides, similarly detailed is the Abrahamic covenant's fulfillment through the Sinaitic covenant, wherein God's promises to Abraham materialize and are extended to the royal priesthood of Israel.
God liberated the Israelites from slavery in Egypt and guided them to their promised homeland, reflecting his proactive role in redemption. The Sinaitic Covenant is seen as the genesis of Israel's formation as a nation. However, it is emphasized that adhering to the covenant's terms, especially obeying God's commands, is crucial to enjoying the blessings. Importantly, the covenant with Abraham carries four major promises and features circumcision as the covenant's physical marker. Abraham, then childless, was assured that he would father a nation with countless descendants. The land of Canaan was pledged to his emerging nation, and God committed to being their deity in a unique relationship. Additionally, God assured extending this divine blessing and relationship to all nations. Also, examining the concept of election in the Bible, Routledge states that Israel's election was not in response to their deserving qualities, but rather an act of divine grace fulfilling promises made to Abraham. The overarching theme in both Abrahamic and Sinaitic covenants is the necessity for obedience. While the Abrahamic covenant marks God's unilateral action, it equally puts obligations on the covenant's beneficiaries. Likewise, the Sinaitic covenant, although focusing on laws, requires obedience for realization. This obedience was not to earn salvation, but to foster loving obedience towards God. Finally, Routledge explores the importance and purpose of the law within the Sinaitic covenant. The law was crucial in defining the nation of Israel's roles, offering guidance for godly living and accentuating their unique identity. It was positively regarded by the Old Testament saints and seen as an instrument to foster love and obedience towards God. Notably, God's choice of Israel and their acceptance of His commandments provide avenues for extending God's blessings to the whole world.